It's time to think and grow rich, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next on the Cash Compound Podcast. Welcome back on this episode of the Cash Compound Podcast here. Uh, we got a couple of bros in the studio here. It is J-Dude today and... Jesse Durham. We got Coach Jesse Durham, Durham Talents in the studio. And we're going to talk about Think and Grow Rich. It's a banking book report. And what we've started to do is categorize some of our favorite books around money and finance and mindset. And this one is no stranger to the mindset behind money in the last uh, 90... 90 years. Very popular. Point. Yeah. So, Jesse, how did you come across this book originally? And uh, tell us what you think about it generally. Um, basically, when I began to have what I would call my uh, personal growth and development awakening, I think I wrote, two thousand. yeah, 2015 was when I had bought this book. And then in that same year, I read it the same year that I, that I bought it. So 2015, when I was just open to the idea about reading books on money and personal growth and development and business and all different kinds of things of that ilk. I love it. This book is very interesting to me because of the way it ended up being compiled. So ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know the story, mm -hmm. it's written by a man named Napoleon Hill, who was a clerk, a secretary of sorts, and he was not rich and famous anywhere near his compiling and research behind this book. You may know the name now, mm -hmm. right? A lot of us do. And because uh, he's written others, he's, yeah, and a lot of them are studied over the course of the uh, Industrial Revolution. And um, when you could really make a lot more money, I guess, prior to you know the Industrial Revolution in the Western world and here in North America, there was a lot of people who were not able to actually make. 10 times, 20 times, 50 times, and leverage and produce beyond their own means because shipping and industry wasn't built that way, right? A lot of it was agrarian prior mm -hmm. to that, right? So you have your own homestead, right? Something you love, Jesse, right? I do. You got your own homestead, and you and yours are taking care of you and yours, or else you're going to starve, right? And that's really all it was in the American, uh, the the early 200 years, you know, the colonies and the expansion westward and things like that. But here's what happened, man. After that war in the middle of the 19th century, they started doing some crazy stuff with coal and oil and steam and stuff like that. Really mm -hmm. started changing what people could produce. Yep. And then you did have these these outliers, these exceptional people that were the study of Napoleon Hill over these 25 or so different years, that that was the commission was, hey, let's let's figure out for the layman, for the common person, let's go ahead and figure out what's behind these success stories of these great folks, these mm -hmm. these Thomas Edison's, and, and there there are several others. And which version do you have? I mean, there. So I, I actually have what I believe is a second version where some more recent characters that we would know. Uh, were interjected instead of perhaps the Henry Fords and the uh, the Wilbur Wrights. Th there were some other more recent characters put in into this version that I have. Looks like you and I have the same one. So the Michael Jordans, okay, of, right. uh, of the world who've who've just been exceptional in their space. But either way, twenty five years of study and work to compile this information by studying the outliers of that time. It really, or the common yeah. person. For Re, us. Yes, really, really interesting. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you go back to what Jesse is saying in that time period, after the war and the Industrial Revolution, a lot of people were able to really, really, really hit it big. These people were basically coming of age 
at the time the war was ending. So they were basically born around uh, 1830 to 1840, 1845. So they're hitting young man, uh, young man energy status around the time of the end of that civil war. That's a good war. way to put it. Yeah, I mean, right? Uh, young man energy at that point. And they got themselves into business and into positions and really manipulated the world to um i don't know how it is so it makes me think of the secret you know what the secret is mm -hmm. right it makes me think that these people and remember the title of this book think and grow rich these people were able to manipulate the world in a way that they saw it it's like they weren't victim to the world no they were able to change the world because of the things that they were doing seeing and trying or the associations that they had and what's interesting about this particular point is that all of us now are influenced by the world because of what they did. And let me let, let me interject here and yeah, give yeah. you some more of those names. I yeah. didn't mention Michael Jordan. Like, who doesn't have a mental image when I just say that, night, right. that name, at least course, from, right. from our era, for sure? Of course. You know, and Mary Kay Ash, you know, did she do something it's just, you know, yeah, wild I mean, in course. her space? 100%. Bill Gates, Arnold Schwarzenegger coming from another country and doing yep. everything that he did here in Politics I think Mary Kay Ash did as well. And, right. right, right. Mary Kay, so Ray Kroc with McDonald's. So just to throw out some names to give you some images of the types of people that Napoleon Hill was writing about back in the day in that first edition. Yeah, real, real interesting. So let's talk a little bit about how it all got started. So there's Napoleon Hill is somewhat of a controversial figure because everyone is trying to figure out, did he really interview all of these people and did they really tell him his secrets and do these secrets actually mean something in the world today or was it just a way to sell books it's very interesting to think about it that way so here's what happened apparently napoleon hill is a young writer and a clerk something like that and he's associated somehow with andrew carnegie mm-hmm and Andrew Carnegie is, at the time, nearly the richest man in the world and richest man in America. And, of course, steel was his industry. And he's got keys to the kingdom because he's got access to all of the other richest and most famous influential people. And he basically endorses Napoleon Hill's article writing and book writing and study and it allows Napoleon to take a 25-year journey to get into the offices and homes of all these other mm -hmm. rich, famous, and influential people yep. to write down what their success secrets and stories were. So there's controversy over how, if that's really how it all worked, because that's what Napoleon wrote down, and apparently Andrew Carnegie never said he ever did that. But the point is, is this man was able to get in front of some of the best minds and best businesses of the very early um, the, the first half, really the first quarter of the 20th century, and was able to put down what these people told him. And apparently, if you think well, you can act right and grow rich. Mm -hmm. So first off, Jesse, let me see, what is your take on that? Some people think this is a pot of crock when they think about the secret, if you're familiar with that. Obviously, it's a 20th century, 21st century type of thought mm -hmm. process, and it definitely I don't know, made me think of affirmation. I don't know, man. Right. Is it real? You know, what do you think? Well, it, it it does make me think of other things like Earl Nightingale's 
um, the strangest secret, right. and like you mentioned, the uh-huh. secret earlier and everything. You know, I always look at everything with a biblical perspective myself, and Scripture says that as a man thinketh, so is he. So there's no question in my mind that how we think matters. Okay, right, right. Period. All right, as a man thinketh. Then James Allen, that's a great book as well, well out there. I, I mean, I'm just saying, just okay. trying to make some options here, some opportunities for yes. moving forward. <laughs> so one other very interesting thing I've heard, uh, two things that I've heard about Napoleon Hill. One I've seen with my own eyes, and the other one I've heard recently is um, that his catalog of works unpublished that were still in his family uh, were recently bought by Russell Brunson, who runs ClickFunnels. So a lot of you out there mm-hmm. probably are very familiar with the idea of a funnel on the Internet. ClickFunnels, the most popular way to make it happen out there to really get people um, moving in a certain direction on the Internet, buying your product, understanding your course of study, or um, joining your team, whatever those things might be, the funnel a process. Uh, Russell Brunson did so well, he bought Napoleon's entire catalog. All the unpublished works and stuff very like that. Neat. Yeah, very interesting. And so he's our age, and he's doing things on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube right now. So maybe if you are listening to this or watching it, you actually saw his ad prior to us talking. So that's one interesting thing. The second thing is we are in Greenville, South Carolina, and just north of our uh, area of the world, about 45 minutes from here, Napoleon Hill is buried and I've you been told me that to the other day. Gravesite. That's neat. Yeah, so I've taken a picture there, and uh, maybe we'll link to it or something in the uh, description on this episode. So he spent the last 25 or so um, plus of his years in the upstate of South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. You had told me that, and I'd forgotten it. Let me add one more layer to how, mm-hmm. I, how I view this work. Is you know I, I've said that I have a, a biblical perspective that I can consider this work with. Another one is, of course, and it's relevant to our audience, is from R. Nelson Nash himself, because he would say that what he was doing most was trying to impact how people think. Mm-hmm. You know, he was using a mm-hmm. conventional product in whole life insurance with some unconventional thinking, some out of the box thinking. And, you know, and he mentioned, you know, these these four things that would be part of this exercise in considering becoming your own banker. And the first one and the most important one he said was imagination imagination right and that right? that actually also happens to be one of the 13 steps in the think and grow rich progress towards becoming rich yes um so it's it is all about thinking there we go so but let's get into some of these here but as soon as we do we have to make sure we don't leave you hanging with the imagination only ladies and gentlemen if napoleon hill was able to get in front of the best minds of the late 19th and earliest 20th century. And these are mega, mega rich people. Mm-hmm. Mega rich. John D. Rockefeller is worth in, some people say something like three or four times what, um, in cash with monopolies and oil and business and things that like people like Elon Musk is worth. So if that were true and he was able to sit down with those guys and get their thoughts on paper, don't you think you might want to at least dive in and read the book? Worth considering. Yeah, you might want to consider it. So that's all we're saying for that part. But let's get into <laughs> some of the things that he said. Remember, it wasn't do and grow rich, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't be. It was think and grow rich. So, Jesse, what are some of those principles that he put down in the book? This is not an exhaustive overview of everything that's in the book. No. There's good, bad, and ugly in there because there's some 
what most people would consider pretty weird stuff now. You wouldn't write about weird. This. I thought it was weird stuff when I first picked it up in 2015. I thought it yes. was weird stuff. It, right, but there are a lot of good things. So let's get to some of those principles, shall we? Yeah, and plenty of them are common sense. His yeah. first step, okay, is the concept of desire. Now, that one immediately made sense for me, and, mm-hmm. and I heard it put this way in a business seminar one time where somebody was relating – uh, the analogy of courtship. And I was like, okay, I got you. Because I can remember courting my now wife. We'll be celebrating 23 years together this year, 16 years married. So we, we, we courted all through high school and college. And I, I still remember the desire that I had to spend as much time as I absolutely could pursuing that endeavor, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of getting to know her and making her mine. So for me, the desire is – because – and he starts with that because if the desire is not there, there's nothing to follow that anyway. Right. There you right? go. Uh, so yeah. that concept of a burning desire. All right. No con. No. Uh, no comment on that. Right. I mean, that, so that's one of my that's one of my favorite ones, and I believe everybody has their gifts. And you know, again, let me give an application here. We encourage people with the save and spend system to be able to. Add that step to what it is they're already doing. So you already have your desires. You already have your gifts, your experiences, your backgrounds, your abilities. And by adding that step of becoming your own banker in that thing, you're pursuing your desires. We don't tell you what to do. We're just here to be your biggest cheerleaders and being successful in a massive way at what it is that you're doing. So that one made a lot of sense to me. you know. And and I I just handpicked some of these. There are 13, like I said. Another one that stuck out to me was the – Step on faith, mm-hmm. and I thought of something as a father for this one. So, in my household, we avoid using the word "can't." Okay. Okay. So my three-year-old. Okay. My uh, they know we don't they know. Say, we don't say "can't," but right. they've taken it to the point now to where it would be grammatically correct for them to use the word "can't," and they will just avoid it. <laughs> okay. They right. will say something right. that is that is technically incorrect just to avoid saying the word can't i mean it's funny but still you know having having a faith in in that desire because that's faith being built on the desire that you have whatever that is love it right to pursue it don't say can't right and i think a lot of people it's fun that you have instituted this into younger children's minds because i think in the world we live in many people have already decided what is possible Mm -hmm. for them or others and they've lost the faith They've lost the faith in their imagination. They've lost the faith in their desire. Those are childhood dreams. Those are things that we can't possibly do now. Or, heck, it may have been possible at one point, but now it's not something that's attainable. Whatever it is, right? It might be monetary, but it might be um, physical or anything else. I'll tell you one that's hard for me that I've kept the faith and the desire for. But it's hard every single day to get back into the rhythm of one day I just might be able to. And that one is actually being able to do the splits. Okay. Yes, be able to be limber and flexible enough to that wow. do the splits. So I have not lost the faith yet, but it's tough. It's tough to keep that dream alive. So maybe I need to hang out with your kids and they can help me. I was going to say that's going to be one of those things I might have to see to believe. Okay, right. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't question it, but that doesn't mean I don't want to not see it so all right well how about this faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not Not seen you got to see it in your mind's eye i'm I'm with you there all right so let me so let me ask you this because you brought up the concept of imagination again and and i've already said that that's one of the chapters i think it says fifth step so let me ask you 
are there activities that you actively pursue that give you space and time and get you in the right mindset for broad thinking or new thinking? You know, it's, so yes. yes, for me, it's 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 walks by yep. myself yep. and showers. It's, it's very interesting that you say showers. Mine very similar. Nothing else is going on in the shower. You you know, it's comfortable if you have hot water in there to just chill for a minute. Everybody's done it, and you can really think. Another one where I can drown out the noise is by adding a little bit of vacuum noise. If I'm mm. vacuuming, then I used to be a janitor too. So okay. when I was a janitor and I would be vacuuming maybe for an hour or two, it was easy to imagine. It doesn't take a lot of brain work mm-hmm. to vacuum. Mm-hmm. You just know I'm in between these bookshelves. I was yep. in the library, and I was at night, quiet. Something monotonous, mm-hmm. monotonous. You know that that EDM music, thinking music, you might now play in the background while you're trying to do work, and those types of um, rote memory muscle activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it okay. allows me Neat. to imagine and think. Yeah. Neat. Okay, for me, it's it's the walks and the showers, and I I did think to ask you that. So the that's vacuum. cool. So that would be one of yeah. my practical uh-huh. encouragements is. I don't care if it's just 15 minutes out of your day. Find where that space and that time is for you Yeah. because imagination is the most important piece of exercise for becoming it. your own banker. Now, and then now I got to say, now, how many of you out there, especially um, you fellas or ladies that do yard work, is that why so many guys like to cut the grass? I think so. Because it's very similar. I think so. For me, it's it's I'm I'm allergic to a lot of things outside. At least I was coming up. So um, I'm gonna have to go with the vacuum, which is very similar. Fair enough. It's like mowing the grass. Okay, mm-hmm. right? You let I think it so. let you relax and let you think and let you imagine. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think so. Okay. Um. So there's plenty of great things in here about specialized knowledge. Is another one of his that's, examples. That's very and he, important. And he has this breakdown, right? He says there are two pieces of that. One piece is your own personal experience. And, and I'm a big fan of going out and experiencing lots of things that I'm interested in, something that I have a desire in, right? Going back to step one, the things that I have a desire to learn more about, I do want to have personal experience. But also at the same time, I do value what he mentions, and I do actively do this as well. I want to benefit from OPM, other people's mistakes. Okay. Normally, normally okay. we say OPM for other people's right, money. Right, but, right, right. But OPM, we can learn. We don't have to make all the same mistakes that other people have already made if we could just read about it or listen to a podcast about it or whatever and, and speed up our learning curve, right? Collapse time frames. Utilize the stuff that's been out there from other people like books. Books is actually the one historic, normal, universal mm-hmm. way Take people's ideas on where they left off and build upon them rather than reinventing the wheel yourself. And I think in an entrepreneurial environment, I've been an entrepreneur for a dozen years now, um, that is where I've probably made the most mistakes is not actually joining forces with other people's ideas or joining forces um, to learn from their mistakes. I haven't used their stories as examples and warnings when I should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great it's a great opportunity that's accessible to everybody, you can just get you a, a library card for nothing. There you go. Right? There you, you go. have all kinds of access. Which is Carnegie's contribution to the American world. In that name. Right? He left all that money in philanthropy for libraries. There's one in your town. And it's free to go on down there. And they've got all the words written down by all these philosophers who've come previous to us. And uh, you can go check out that book for free. You just got to get down there. Yeah, I can't say with certainly, but and, so I don't want to, but hundreds or thousands. 
many, 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 many libraries. Many, many libraries. Oh, I believe it. I believe it's thousands, but I'm not right. even sure. Right. Yeah. So, absolutely. Um, another couple of the highlights I would say were we already talked on imagination, but still, I had a lot of examples that came to me from becoming your own banker. You know, Einstein talking about the importance of imagination more than knowledge. Uh, Carl Gauss, him figuring out how to work numbers just in his head, whereas. You know, the traditional way of doing math might be to follow this formula and write it out and follow the steps, whereas just by using your imagination, you could jump to some conclusions, mm-hmm. accurate conclusions, just right. interesting concepts. But one of the others was, say, planning. Okay. And what jumped in my mind from that step from thinking Grow Rich was you need to have a blueprint before you go to build a house. You need to have a written, you know, articulate plan of what is to come. Write it down, make it plain. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. I think a lot of us have our dreams and our end desires and goals, and we don't know what to do next. We don't know what step one, two, or three might be. And we definitely don't know what the how many steps are in between us and that goal, even if we do know step one or two or three. Sometimes we do. We need to make that phone call. We need to start that policy. Mm-hmm. We need to um, email that person and ask for something. I need to schedule my medical yeah. exam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to answer my dang email. And that's step one or two or three. But we definitely have no clue step four through infinite infinity mm-hmm. before we even hit the goal. We don't know how many steps there could be. So we just need to write some stuff down yes. and just stay ahead of the game. Write it down, make a plane, and try build on it as you go so you kind of know what the next couple of steps were, are going to be. That makes me think of the Zig Ziglar quote of, go as far as you can see, and then when you're there, you'll always be able to see further. Yeah, that's right. That's you know, what The I concept mean. Yeah. of going to the curve in a, in a walk in the woods, let's say. Yep. Um, how about this one on decision? So in his step on decision... He's talking about mastering procrastination. You got to make a move. Got to make <laughs> See, a move. I've, I've got some conviction right here because when I was writing this note down for this podcast episode, I immediately thought of my outbuilding at my house where I have all, all my, my lifting stations at. It's dirty right now. Dirty to the point that it, it shouldn't be that way. Okay, and that's just what jumped into my mind from my daily. And it's like, need, I need, and need. it's been that way for too long. I, I've been right. procrastinating. Mm-hmm. I need to. I need to. And that's just a real everyday example, but it could apply to so many different areas. It really of, does. Like, I think about finances and where people procrastinate. You know what I'm saying? So many, but the, and a lot of times is they don't know how to get to their end goal because they can think of their dreams. They're not goals yet. They don't have it written down and planned out. But if you do plan it out, like we just mentioned, you can know what the next best step is in most cases. And then you got to make your move. Mm-hmm. Just make your move. And no, you won't be there. Know that it might be a little off course, but you can course correct. We're going to take this walk in the woods. And just don't procrastinate. Just keep going. <laughs> there you go. There there were some other great ones that, I mean, I like the word persistence. He's got a whole step on persistence. You know, again, I actually thought about my, my lifting when it came to that. You know, let's say I'm on this this plan. I have the steps. It's okay. three sets of five reps. I'm going to do this five times, three sets worth. Right. Well, if I get to the 14th and I do it, but I don't complete the 15th, and it was what I was scheduled to, and I don't get that one in, it's like the 14 didn't count at all. It's like you, you've, you've got to be persistent in what you're doing. Finish the job. I Keep. like it. Keep on going. Okay, now uh, there's uh, one that I wanted to – we started to talk about this one. Tell me. The mastermind. Okay. okay the right. mastermind step. 
And this is the one that kind of starts getting weird. <laughs> it's not the last one that's going to be weird. We got what, another the idea of inviting dead people into your mind. Yes, but Napoleon Hill <laughs> talks about bringing in the philosophical mastermind, the board of directors. You might say. I, I know somebody who uh, was a, a mentor in a in a Christian camp environment that I was a part of as a as a young college student. And he talked about his spiritual board of directors. When mm-hmm. he had to make moves at his nonprofit or in his personal life, he kind of had this board of directors okay. for X or for Y. And think of it like that. But the thing that starts getting weird for a lot of people, I'm a reader, I'm a thinker, but inviting in people who are who don't know you who have been dead. <laughs> okay? So you can have a board meeting with the Abraham Lincolns of the world, the Thomas Edisons of the world, which, of course, Napoleon would have met, and he did meet, um, or the uh, ancient Greek Roman philosophers, or maybe presidents that you admire or something. In American culture, we talk about presidents a lot. So what what the heck is your take on this well, one? What I, see, I was getting ready to ask you to go ahead and name me, I don't know, five or so of, of okay, who Okay, I will. I, that'd I be will. interesting to know. I, think. I was trying to pin you up against the wall, but I do think that in certain aspects of what I do. And I'll tell you mine. I'm, yeah, in certain aspects of what I do. I would actually put Frederick Douglass in this category. Mm-hmm. He wrote a lot, number one, so we can tell what he thought. Right, And we can extrapolate how he might have interpreted some situation in my personal life today or in his world. It would have been a political situation or a social situation, and I mean like a social justice situation or something like that. And we can figure out what we think he would have said, done, or wrote about because he's got a lot of stuff. So number one, ladies and gentlemen, we got to go back to you've got to get to a place where you even know what these people would have thought and done mm-hmm. or else you can turn them into people that – no, I don't think Frederick would have been down with – if he voted in your board of directors meeting and you think he would have voted this way and the rest of us can read all of their work or look at their books or watch them on YouTube or something and you're like, nah, that ain't it. It's not about us turning them into yes yeah, men right, in our minds. Right, but it's how would they have viewed this situation. So I'll, right. I'll give you Frederick Douglass. Who you got? One that jumped in my mind when I thought to ask you that was King Arthur, which is fictional. So that's interesting. This don't, Jesse, how Listen, are we supposed to help people in, out? This is, is in my mind. Person. But this is in my mind, folks. Okay. okay. And I have read four books about King Arthur, so I have some ideas. Okay. All right. Well, I'm saying what, well, give me the uh, area of expertise. Like what, what character traits come with King Arthur? Well, he, he had a character about him that built a pretty cool team that did some, again, fictitious. Yeah, the round some, table. Some, some pretty cool things. Right. That, so that was even a, a phrase that I planned on using in this podcast, if I haven't already said it, was the concept of round table. You said board of yeah, uh, the round directors. Table right. Right. Yeah. right. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's me building out a round table in my mind okay. of different people. All right. Very good. Who else? Give me another one. Who else? I feel like I had a couple in my mind, but then I got busy listening to, to who you were who you were naming? Well, I'll go for. I'll go. We'll go back well, and forth. No, I know. I'll still give you one. Job, okay. Job. You and I Job. were talking before yeah, yeah, we okay. hit record. If I could, if I could have some Job time of Job. the Old Testament, mm-hmm, that'd be pretty okay. cool. So, what character traits or what does he bring to the table? What seat in the round table does he occupy? The one on integrity, I believe. Mm, integrity. Why is that? Well, Remind everybody who wasn't in Sunday school this past week. That, they forgot. <laughs> that's why big, was Job? Who was Job? What's going on? The the word integrity is mentioned uh, more than once in. The story of Job, this guy who did big things in his day, mm-hmm. real character, did big things in his day. We can read a lot about his life story, great family life, great business life. 
well-known in the community, had a lot of hardships come his way, health hardships. In one losses day. Losses in the family. In one day. Right, in one literal day. Allowed by God. God yeah. knew that's the whole story. If you guys remember here in the early books of this Old Testament um, account, the early chapters in the book, um, God allows for the devil himself to come at Job. Mm-hmm. But but what what permeated through that, that that experience that we can read about is his integrity. He maintained his integrity during that whole experience. That's wild. Because like, I ain't trying to. Mind no, we don't. We don't no. want to imitate it. Not we, at all. But we just want to admire it. He lost all his kids and glean what we in can one day. from it. In one day, forget the sheep's. Right. I'm let the sheep's go and the camels and everything. Else. Right. Right. Okay, Job, that's a good one, though. Job makes the list. That's a good, a good one. In the world I live in and the, some of the other work that I do, um, of course, Martin Luther King comes up. Now, Martin Luther King is a controversial figure because nobody's perfect in certain areas. However, in his, once again, civil disobedience, social justice, um, ideals of the American um, economy, and treatment of its poorest and darkest citizens, I mean, there's, there's nobody else that you kind of raise up on that flagpole than MLK with the justice movement of the civil rights of the 1950s and 60s. Right. Yeah. And then another one for me that would be a personal one and that I think is very relevant for our audience again would be our Nelson Nash himself because I read his book in 2015, and since then I've, I've read his other book, of course. I, I, I own lots of policies, and we, we privatized our banking now for going on nine years. But still, I wasn't with it enough mm. to realize that, Hey, I stand a chance to go and meet this guy. Maybe shake his hand, say hello, and thank you at the least, right? Right. Um, I just didn't get there quick enough mentally, and he did pass away before I had that opportunity. So that would be a great opportunity for me. Hey, we well, were talking if about you the- believe in the story of Job and you believe in the way Nelson Nash talked about his afterlife, he's not gone. Right. He's he graduated. graduated. That's right. And then you will be able to shake his hand, huh? Right, for sure. Okay, so it's not over yet. Right. All right, and I'm going to have a few questions for Job right after that, Job. How'd you do it, <laughs> bruh? How'd you do it? Okay. Okay, so there's a couple of other ones here, and I don't know that we'll get super specific, but he talks about, Napoleon Hill talks about the mystery of sex transmutation. This is where that? we continue to get kind of strange and weird, taking actual innate um, sexual energies and urges. You know, some of the natural urges that God gives people are urges for breathing, urges mm-hmm. for food, urges for sexual satisfaction. And Napoleon talks about, and it seems like it was a whole lot more common maybe in his era to maybe talk about this, maybe not write about it, but to talk about utilizing and channeling maybe sexual energy in ways to help you in the kind of business life. Very interesting. So so let me share something that you just made me think of. I wasn't thinking about this beforehand, but when you talked about breathing, I didn't mm-hmm. expect you to say that. So I know that today people talk about finding your why and finding that desire. So I'm going back again to his first step, desire. Right. When you want something bad enough that you want it more than breathing. You heard somebody? Oh, yeah. I, I know that, that people have said that. Yeah. I, can't, I, I can't attribute it to anybody right now in the moment. But that's what stuck out to me is, okay, that's a very natural thing to want to do to breathe. You know, you hold me underwater. I'm I'm going to have a very great desire yeah. to breathe yeah. again, okay? Right. So um, you, you took me all the way back to step one with desire. Just by, so sex mm-hmm. transmutation could be out there thinking, but just think about something like breathing. Oh, that's so very natural. 
And yes, if I could direct that kind of energy yep. towards this desire that I have, that makes I have plenty to do of it. sense. It's normal. If I don't have it, I will die. That type of thing. Channel some of that. So I think mm-hmm. um, also like breathing, just like eating, right? Natural, normal thing and taking that energy and channeling it. Um, so very interesting thought there. And then we talk about, he talks a little about um, using your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using your brain. And the last one is the sixth sense. So if you get all these things kind of in an order, let's say that, then you're going to have an intuition about right. what to do and what's the right thing for you to do next. I don't think you'd necessarily start at your sixth sense at the beginning. You do need to think about some of these as steps on top of other pieces and how they all go together. That right there is a very, it's just such an interesting overview of Mm -hmm. this man's work, Think and Grow Rich, taking the ideas behind, not all the specific stories, but he does have some good specific stories in here, taking the ideas behind some of the most rich, wealthy, influential, famous people of the early 20th century, putting them down and saying, this is how you can too achieve Everything that you want in life. Mm-hmm. I think we should be encouraging everybody to dig into the the rich ideas mm-hmm. that they can think about to grow personally. There we go. We had to wrap it up like that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cash Compound Podcast. We're helping people crack the mm-hmm. code to cash flow. And it might also just start where you think and not actually in your wallet or in your bank account, but you might want to start it in your head first. So if you'd like that conversation, that free cash consultation with one of our coaches around the save and spend system, how you can save and spend money at the exact same time, we'd love to talk to you very soon. And we'll see you on the next podcast episode. Take care.